Welcome to Fifth Wall's Fly on the Wall podcast, where we explore the shifts occurring in real estate, technology, and society that are driving our cities towards a more equitable, green, and tech-enabled future. I'm your host, Brendan Wallace. In today's episode, I catch up with Chris Grigg, CEO of British Land, one of the largest property development and investment companies in the United Kingdom. We delve into the trend of flexible office and how buildings and workspaces can be made more multi-purpose while taking into consideration new public health regulations. Enjoy the episode. Chris, thank you so much for joining. Uh, and I think you're, you're logged in from London, right? I'm logged in from London. Well, just outside London, actually. I guess all of us have got slightly confused about location, but just outside London. I'm the chief executive of British Land, and um, you know it's it's great to be having a chat, Brendan. Yeah, it's it feels like a long time ago that you were at our offices on uh, on Abakini, and now uh, we're all scattered. <laughs> so. Yeah, I was, do you know what? When I was I was thinking about this call, that's exactly what I thought. Gosh, you're kind of wall, walking into an office uh, from a crowded street, and uh, all those things that you thought were completely normal, and you scratch your head and think, well, hey, when did I last do that? And a little bit, when will I do that again? And you saw our office probably when it was at its densest, right? When we had probably yeah. 20 people working shoulder to shoulder. And I've, it, it probably never crossed anyone's mind, you know, oh, that's unsafe from a public health perspective. It certainly never crossed mine. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's one of the things that, that, that may never come back, unfortunately. Um, well, we'll see. I mean, I, I think a lot will depend exactly, you know, what, what the public health solution is as opposed to the, you know, the public health intermediate stage but as you trying to call that it's a hard one i think yeah and i'm curious from your perspective you you've seen a lot of financial crises um you've seen crises in the real estate markets capital markets crises um how is this different like what is different about this and and what can be learned just in the first 75 days about what makes it unique i thought one of the better comments I've had a, a private equity, another private equity mate of mine, actually uh, said to me, Chris, when we went through two thousand eight, or two, you know that that the great financial crisis, I thought that was bad. What I didn't really even begin to understand is it might merely be a, a kind of dress rehearsal for this one. So I thought that was pretty neat. What's the difference? I mean, for me, the biggest difference is, it, it, you know, to keep it simple. Rarely, if ever, can I think of a situation where government was, well, governments around the world were effectively trying to create recessions uh, in order to stave off a different problem. So, you know, there, there have been plenty of, plenty of crises, but they've, usually government has been kind of uh, trying to solve the problem, not for good reason, by the way, try, trying to create a, an economic problem because of the, the health problem. So I think that is different. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things that seems so so unique about th this crisis is that in in prior crises the there there wasn't a behavioral shift right th th that occurred meaning you know during the two thousand eight crisis it wasn't that we fundamentally reimagined the basic behaviors of how we interact with this, the, the world around us um, what's different about this and I, I when I think about kind of the, these shared experiences that, that people have in a crisis, what's so unique about this is everyone's experience is so different, right? Your experience quarantined in London is so different than mine. And our behaviors are shifting in ways that they didn't in 08 and, and 2000. 
Um, and I think that has a huge implication, obviously, on real estate and for real estate owners, because, sure. you know, as, as I think about real estate, it's, it's, it's how do you commercialize space? How do humans use the space around them to be productive, to live their lives? And we have this moment in time where we have to reimagine that. So for, for British land and, you know, as with a lot of exposure to office, how do you think office is different on the other side of this? Um, and I, I think about that in two ways. How do people, the actual tenants, the, the occupants of buildings, how do they think about their office buildings? And then how do um, landlords in new developments, how are they going to reimagine what space design might look like? It, those are great questions. And, and I think everybody is really starting to think about that because, you know, clearly, by and large, this experiment in home working has probably worked better than anybody really imagined. And whether that's the kind of tech that's kept it going at a company-by-company company basis, whether that's the kind of fundamental, at least in the UK, I can't speak to sex, but my sense has been it's the same, you know, that the, the underlying kind of networks have held up extraordinarily well, really. Um, I think that has been a surprise to people, and that's a positive, and, and I think it's one factor for, for real estate owners to have very much in, in their mind. I, I guess our working hypothesis has been the most likely thing is that trends that were already going on will accelerate. Be confident in that. Be a bit more sceptical that you'll really see new trends. Of course, because we always see new trends, you'll see some. But be cautious that this marks, I don't know, the end of the office or, or, or that everybody's going to work at home. I think those are, those are, it's much too early. Whereas, you know, again, if, if we look, you know, the studies that have been doing, I mean, home working has been increasing steadily, certainly in the UK for the last 10, 15 years. The, one of the things that's been very good for British land has actually been a discussion with big customers about how they can take less space but use the space they do, they do use more efficiently. Now, what more efficiently means will surely change. Uh, I can't imagine too many hot desking conversations going on in quite the way that they were you know, even a few months ago. But I think that sort of trend we should expect to continue uh, and, and kind of intensify. Is, is kind of how we're thinking about it. Be more skeptical about that new normal until we get, until we get to see what, what actually sticks here and what proves to be transitory it's a really interesting point the, the idea that it's not that th this crisis has precipitated new ways of doing business it's just kind of pulled the future forward on trends and themes that were already afoot and one of those themes that i know you've you know focused a lot on at british land is flex office and just the the demand for greater levels of flexibility from tenants and I think in the public's mind, that's that's oftentimes conflated with WeWork, right? And this this impression of these dense spaces with shared coffee and everyone working right on top of each other in this kind of uh, serendipitous, highly collaborative environment. But that's actually not what flex office truly means for some of the the, the larger corporations. What do you think? What do you think is the demand from large? you know, the British equivalent of Fortune 500 companies for flex office a year from today. What do you think they're asking about with respect to space? Well, it, I guess the first thing I say is I'm very glad that we as a company, as British Land, got into that business ourselves for our own space. Um, you know, for a couple of reasons, frankly. One, 
you know, I never much liked the proposition of having people who were kind of short the option uh, passing that risk on to us uh, as landlords. And when we didn't get the, uh, in, you know, we, we didn't, we captured neither the margin and we effectively still owned the risk. That just felt like bad, bad uh, business to me. But it did feel also that the trend itself, that desire for greater flexibility was probably here to stay. And so, you know, we set up our own brand, as I know a number of, you know, big companies around, big landlords around the world have done. That feels, for a couple of reasons, you know, we, we feel good about that decision because we got very little exposure to any of the uh, flex brands, however they come out of this, um, on the one hand. And on the other hand, you know, we, 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 we've gathered that, information that knowledge base uh, and I think that's good for us in a whole bunch of ways in terms of how it plays out you know to your point I guess it feels less about squeezing more people into their given space for a while maybe forever but it certainly I think it's going to be about smart ways of doing in offices what you can't do at home and there's a whole list of those things it'll take a while for us to figure out inevitably exactly what those are. You know, our sense is some people will be, are, are desperate to get back in the office and some people are pretty nervous about coming back into offices. Um, and so, you know, office occupiers are going to have to accommodate all of that. And that's some of the work we're doing today. Uh, but, but, you know, trying to help with that work. But I think fundamentally that focus on what an office can create for me as a as somebody runs a business mm-hmm. whether that's a big business whether that's fifth war whether that's british land and being kind of as clear as you possibly can be about what those things are and are not and helping our occupiers with that that i think is going to be a rich scene to mine if you will over the next couple of years and of course there are going to be analog and technology digital solutions to some of those things. Yeah, and, and one of the things that, that is interesting about this is from my own experience, what, what I found is we had set up a business continuity plan and we have adopted you know, tons of cloud-based solutions to run our company. And like many people, I think I was surprised, almost shocked at how productive Fifth Wall was in yeah. the environment. On the other hand, what's been lost is this sense of demarcation between one's personal life and their professional life. And some parts of that are really good, right? So there's a, a certain intimacy that comes with the fact that I can see you, you know, in, in your living space and you can see me. And I think that creates a different kind of connection, but it doesn't replace the, the, the in-person dynamic, right? There, there, there's nothing that will ever replace your visit to, to Fifth Wall that, that, that can yeah. never be accomplished over, over a Zoom call. Um, but in that same vein, it seems that people are working almost round the clock right now. There's this, uh, there's a, a frenetic energy to how people are working, where there's no lines between what a workday means, when people are sleeping, time zones, just everything is up in the air. And that's probably unsustainable. And so what I'm curious to, to get your impressions of is, do you think tenants will, they'll obviously want office space but they might reimagine some of the, the operating principles of how that office space um, worked for their employees. Meaning today, most companies just say, yeah, it's a five-day work week, right? This is one thing I've always been curious about is why do we have a five-day work week? And why is it the yeah. same work week 
for everyone? And why is it roughly the same hours for everyone when people have such different jobs and the, the skill set and what you do in an office for a knowledge worker versus you know, man, manufacturing jobs are so different. Um, do you think companies reimagine the work week? Meaning, do you think they create shifts and teams that are non-contiguous in how they're working? And do you think we, we look at more of an environment like that where we have a 24-7 office building um, that is accommodating companies that are literally rolling at any given time fewer people, but arguably more people through the office? Do you think that's the world we're looking at? I think that the... I remember a few years ago having um, a, an interesting chat with an old friend of mine who actually I'd been at Goldman Sachs with, and he said he was he was tech guy actually, or and he was saying one of the things that he thought was really interesting about our industry was that people were now almost starting to think about real estate with a time yield curve. In other words, you know, historically you take a ten-year lease on a building, but now increasingly people were thinking about you know you'd be a butcher during the day and a, and a restaurant during the evening or whatever, and, yep. and segmenting up the intensity of use. If we can crack the health aspect of it, which clearly today makes that, you know, something of a, of a difficult to contemplate in practice idea, then I think that idea of greater intensity of use of the actual physical becomes really interesting. And again, back to my observation or, or, or hypothesis, if you will, that, you know, uh, it'll be t trends which become true quicker or, or, or develop momentum more quickly. That feels to me like something that's been going on for a while. We saw it in particular ways, but you could really see that in that kind of momentum for that trade accelerate. But, you know, clearly the, 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 the need for health cleanliness, all those things could potentially slow that process down. I don't think they stop them. I think it changes it and it might slow it down. But I think all of that stuff built on, as you say, um, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, it's going to be this, it's going to be really interesting to, to kind of um, balance the, what seems like the inevitable trend of um, making assets more multi-purpose, right? And more functional for as broad uh, a group of occupiers as you can, as you can get. Um, but at the same time, balancing that against the, the, the new public health considerations that we, we have to make. And that's kind of a tie into one of the questions I had about landlords and, and the responsibility that landlords have. I think in some ways that this crisis has um, underscored that we think of um, landlords as being disconnected from one another, right, inherently, and buildings being discrete, and you can do whatever you want in your own building. But I think this crisis has, has underscored that we're more connected than ever before, right? So um, the decision to shut down any one city doesn't have the same impact if it's not done across the board in all cities. And the same is true of an office park, and the same is true of an individual asset. And so do you think we'll see higher levels of collaboration between landlords um, around like, hey, we have a responsibility to the populace of a city, to everyone. Um, and if this is in fact a dress rehearsal for another epidemiological crisis, um, do you think we'll see almost uh, working groups of landlords collaborating to work together to solve this? I think 
actually, Brendan, you're already starting to see that. And I, I think one example has been, and certainly something we've tried to kind of be part of, is trying to take lessons even from a few weeks ahead, if you see what I mean, different cities in the world, obviously, particularly uh, in Asia, just who are quicker into the crisis and therefore well, you know, apparently more, not necessarily more quickly, but earlier out and therefore some of the, the learnings to be had about how to reopen offices over and above just the obvious health issues, but just trying to, you know, look at what slowed people down, what their people wanted. We've been, you know, part of those discussions, as I know a number of other landlords have been. Uh, and, you know, we've also talked to a bunch of our occupiers. You know, we're London only from an office perspective. Some of our occupiers clearly are all over the world. And some of the discussions we've had with them about what their learnings are. So I think that, to your point, uh, great to sense of community. But, uh, but if you do it right, I think, you know, potentially you can really start to share learnings, not just between landlords, but between different occupiers in their experiences, either in one locale or in several. You know, we've had, as we think about getting back to work, we've run a series of seminars, effectively just discussion groups, with a bunch of our occupiers, and including, we, you know, we've invited people who just happen not to be uh, on, you know, in our buildings, but kind of friends and family. And, and those have been quite interesting discussions. Some of them very, very kind of, you know, definitive about, you know, what, what, what people are really worried about. As, as one of my relatively senior guys said, I, I really, really know more about toilets than I ever thought I would need to do. Uh, you know, right through to the big picture stuff. So I think that in both those directions, landlords and customers, I think you're going to see more cooperation. That must be a good thing. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, when you, when you mentioned this comment about um, there are trends already afoot that, that we're just pulling forward and are just kind of happening in fast forward right now. Um, one of those trends that I know British Land has focused a lot on is smart buildings, right? How do we make our buildings smarter from a sensory perspective to understand how the users of those buildings are actually interacting with them. Um, yep. And today, most buildings are dumb, right? Most buildings don't know that much. There's no cognition happening at the building around what's happening inside it. It just is a building. Um, do you think that there's a tailwind for, you know, making buildings smarter, not just because it's good business, right? It's obviously good business to know that you can only run two elevator shafts or turn off an HVAC unit because the building doesn't have as many people in it. All that is just good, it makes good economic sense. Do you think there's a, a deeper reason to do it where tenants are gonna say, hey, how do I know that you, the landlord, um, truly understand who's in the building and how they've been interacting with it and um, how to better address the crisis like we're in right now through data? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I mean, I think in some ways, this is going to be kind of defensive. In other words, you know, simply managing people's access to buildings, you know, is going to be much more important. The idea of having lots of queues uh, waiting to, to get through security, you know, for the foreseeable future, however long that is, that's going to be a horror show, right? Yeah. So, so that requirement for intelligent access, whatever product people call it that week, you know, that feels 
much more important than than it was much more uh kind of defining as whether people will take space in your building all the way and and you've made the point about the kind of you know hvac and, and all those things yeah I, there's always been part of me that gets very nervous that these buildings are quite dumb in a world where there's so much sophistication around about systems generally you know the kind of hackability of these buildings going forward is going to be something that i suspect more and more people will focus on on time and, and as an industry you know we're, we're still scratching our heads a little bit about that it's an interesting point, meaning that when you when you add all these industrial IoT devices to a building, as you build like a uh, a nerve center, a, a central cortex for the building, yeah, that exposes the building to hacking, right? I mean, there's been there's been articles written about how you can hack a, a Tesla, right, which is terrifying to most people because yeah. you can very quickly turn a car into a weapon. By that same token, you can do the same with a building. Um, yeah, think, think, think lift shafts if you want to get depressed about that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly scary. And it's interesting to think that the, the, the kind of digital fabric of, of how a building works, it, it, it in some ways is, needs to be like a fortress, right? That, that you need to make sure that the integrity of that data is protected at the individual asset level, but at the same time, provide that transparency to British land at the macro level and, you know, potentially London at the macro level. So you, you can understand what's happening. Um, well, and, and I think that connection, people are going to come back between kind of physical health would be my guess and kind of a broader sense of safety. So, you know, the, we're going to want to make these buildings as safe as we possibly can, right? From a health perspective, that's going to be a challenge. But once you start down that road, then the kind of broader, what does a healthy, safe building look like from a digital perspective, you know, must, you, you kind of feel, now, you can argue about the ordering of these things, and, and I think physical safety clearly, in, in terms of medical safety, is going to have the, the upper hand for a while here. But once those things, those sorts of concepts gain momentum, then I think it's kind of, you know, you have to respond as a, as a landlord. Yeah, and then you have all these kind of new conundrums for landlords of um, the privacy, right? Data privacy, um, because yeah. in some ways, I think th this crisis has um, it, it's cut into some of the the almost reflexive response of I don't want anyone to have my data. Well, you know, today in in a lot of respects, we actually want people to be able to aggregate data. We want landlords to be able to do it. We want cities to be able to do it because it can keep us safer. It's also subject to abuse. And it seems like landlords are almost, they're, they're getting thrust by history into pretty grave, um, you know, social and, and political decisions that I don't think they had to contemplate before. And no, I agree. And, I mean, and look, think, think about where we're going to go. And I'm, not claiming to know the answer fully, but you know, thermal imaging, temperature, taking people's temperatures, what you do with that data, you know, uh, uh, facial imaging, all those things, you know, the control of that data, the matching of that data across several sources. I mean, you know, that is going to make, give a lot of people brain ache. And certainly in some of our conversations with our customers, we're hearing quite different things about people, what people do and what don't want to do and of course that in turn has real issues about where are those 
cameras located? You know, are they in the common space? Do they exist, in, particularly in multi-let buildings? How, how do you do that? And, and, and a whole bunch of stuff around public order. You know, okay, so somebody's got a high de- temperature. You say to them, you can't come in. Uh, you know, who says? It, it, you know, we, we're not empowered by law to do that right now. So it's all, all that stuff is going to have to get sorted out more quickly than typically we would be able to do. Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, well, Chris, thank you so much for joining. Um, and I know that there was a, a request from, I think, your communications team to see my to see my dog, who's been not really compliant in uh, in sitting where she normally sits. But this is Lady Macbeth. So, <laughs> isn't that cool? Well, look, it's it's been my pleasure to to chat. It's always a pleasure to to talk to you, to talk to Fifth Wall, and uh, fantastic to see the the uh your dog was because just as we started talking but before you recorded it uh prone in the correct place but now uh she's heard she's heard more she's heard more about these questions than she ever cared to learn just by by being i I can imagine she's smarter than most by now (laughs) great well thanks chris and thank you so much for joining i appreciate it great to talk to you take care Bye 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 Thanks for listening to this episode of Fly on the Wall. All of these episodes and more are available on our YouTube channel. To learn more about Fifth Wall, visit our website at www.fifthwall.com.